Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Looking uh, this morning at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 16, and this is where Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, lays out a beautiful vision for us of what growth in community looks like. And the, the two things I want you to listen to here is one is what is Paul's attitude towards other people? How are we, how are other people playing a role in our relationship with God? And the second is what, what has God done? Really the first actually, what did God do to make this possible? Where is God in this? When we start talking about what we should do and we talk about our mission statement and what you should do and what all this kind of stuff, it's easy to lose sight of what God has done. But here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul centers us on what God has done for us in Christ. So listen as I read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all things in the heavens, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, uh, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, would you uh, speak to us this morning as we reflect on your word together? Would you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? So that this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, when I was, uh, when I was younger, way back when I was in middle school, so those of you who are in middle school, even in late elementary school I did this, I don't think I kept doing it into high school, but I participated in something called Odyssey of the Mind. And Odyssey of the Mind was this competition where they take students and put them together in teams to solve problems. Anybody else here do Odyssey of the Mind? Back in, all right, well, it was a thing. Suzanne did it too, but she's teaching the kids. So anyhow, so we did, it was this, this competition. It sounds super nerdy now that I describe it. And it's gonna get worse. But anyhow, you know me. So the, our, each, each team in Odyssey of the Mind had a problem that they were supposed to solve, and there were different kinds of problems. But the team that I was always on, the problem that we had was to build a balsa wood structure 
If you, balsa wood is really light strips of wood, and you build this little structure of it of about eight ounces. And it has specific dimensions, a little structure, like a little box like this. And then you want to see how much weight it could hold. And we're talking like eight ounce structures that you can put hundreds of pounds on, built out of balsa wood. And so the, the point of it was to learn about engineering fundamentally. How do you build things to make them strong? And so of course you start by building a box, and if you build it perfectly, it'll hold a little bit, and then it crushes very quickly. And pretty quickly you learn that the best way to make your structure stronger is to fill it with triangles. That if you get this structure full of triangles, the triangles of this balsa wood will support the weight much better. And now all of you are saying, Jimmy, you didn't need to do Odyssey of the Mind. I know that we build things with triangles. Like, go, go look at any bridge, and you'll see that it's full of triangles, because triangles are very strong. But what, and why am I talking about triangles? One of the things we see here in Ephesians chapter 4 that's not stated explicitly, because it's not stated explicitly anywhere in the Bible, but is clear here, as it is in many other places, is that God is by nature three people in one God. And the symbol for this historically has always been a triangle. That if we do anything to represent God, a triangle is a symbol of the Trinity. And there is no way to perfectly express who God is. It's a mystery that has stumped Christians forever and ever. But we see it here so clearly. Uh, verse 3, maintain the unity of the Spirit. One body and one Spirit, verse 4. Verse 5, one Lord. Verse 6, one God and Father. Uh, who is over all and through all. So we see God the Father, one Lord, Jesus Christ, verse 7, according to the measure of Christ's gift. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Spirit. We see them here saying that God in his very nature is three in one. And so what does that matter to us? Why that matters to us, to our problem that we have, is that we do not naturally go for triangles in our lives. We naturally take our little sticks of balsa wood that we are and we try to stand there by ourselves and say, I can do this all by myself. And what happens when we try to stand there all by myself? We see it in verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. When we try to go it alone and stand up as our own little sticks of wood, we just get tossed back and forth by the waves. And so here, God is calling us to walk together, bound together as one body that can be stronger. But it's not just because we need it. It's because of who God is. See, the great truth here, the great thing about God is that if our problems were being tossed about, what God is saying here is that God, as three in one, came down to get us. That's the great truth here, that not only is God three in one, He is a trinity, He is a triangle in and of Himself, but He came down to get us. This is what's going on in verses 7 to 10, which are super confusing. So look with me again, right, really starting at verse 8. Therefore it says... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. That's a quote from the Psalms. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. You're like, Paul, what, what in the world are you talking about? And what does this have to do with the Psalm 
where the wording is actually a little bit different. In the psalm, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he received gifts among men. It's a picture in the psalm is of a king coming back from victory, that the king is bringing the captives and the spoils in his train. And when we realize that, what we see here is that Paul is saying that Jesus had to come down to get us because we were captured. Why are we stuck as single individual sticks of wood getting blown about? Because we are trapped by Satan. Because Satan is lying to us and telling us that we can do it on our own. This was the original lie that Satan told in the Garden of Eden. He told Adam and Eve, you can eat the fruit of the tree and you can be like gods. You can figure this out. You can do it on your own. And ever since, humans have been trapped in this idea that I can figure it out for myself. And that if I involve other people, it's because I need them to help me figure it out or because I have something I can offer to them, which those things are not completely wrong, but they don't work ultimately when we're still just trying to do it ourselves. And so we're getting tossed about so much that Jesus, as one of the representatives of God, as God himself had to come down to get us. And so I've got, this, I've got this picture, I put it in my notes, but I can't really draw very well. But it's like God as three in one up here, and he goes down to get his people to bring us back up. When he says he led a host of captives, he's talking about us. That we are the spoils of war. That Jesus came down and got and is carrying back up to heaven to participate in the life of God himself. And so when we say, why do we need one another? It's not so we can figure things out for ourselves. We're not really building bridges out of sticks of individual wood. We are imitating the life of God found in himself. As he, he himself is knit together as three in one, he puts us together in community with one another. And that is when I said, listen, for what is the glory here? What is the beauty here? The beauty is that Jesus came down to get us. That we could not do this on our own. And now we live together as a body because he saved us as a whole people. He took all his people up together. And so that is the foundation. We talk about a growing relationship with God and real community with others. It's because God is a community in himself. And so he calls us to reflect his glory, to reflect his image properly, is to be in community with one another, to come back, to, to draw closer to him because he came to get us. That's the meaning of Jesus coming down to earth. That's the meaning of his life, his death, his resurrection, is to come and rescue his people. All of us who were trapped by Satan, thinking that we could do this on our own. So if that's the big picture, that God has put us in a community, God has drawn us to himself, Jesus has come down from heaven to take us back up as his victory, to be in community with him in the very life of God. What does that look, out, look like as Paul lays out very briefly, in fact, I'll try to be even briefer than Paul, perhaps, because his sentences are long. Mine sometimes are, too. But three, three quick things Paul lays out for us here uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. The first is that we need to live out our unity. There's a fundamental unity that we must live out. The second is that we must listen to the leaders that he has given us. The third is that we must love the whole body. We live, we listen. We love. First, in verses 1 through 6, we live out our unity. I urge you, therefore, in the, a prisoner, I, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Verse 3, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, one body, one Spirit, one Lord. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All this language of unity and oneness. What is the demonstration of who God is and His glory in coming to get His people? It's that we live together as one body. We are united with one another. In fact, Jesus, we saw this back when we were going through John in his last night with his disciples when he was praying for them. The specific prayer that he prayed is that they would be one and that the world would know them by their unity with one another. So the unity of the Christian body, the unity of Christians with one another, especially when they are different inherently. It's easy to get along with people who are like you and have a lot of similarities. The beauty of life in Christ the beauty of life in a Christian community is that we're united with people who are different from us, who have different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures, different skills, different interests, and yet we are united as one body. How? By learning to you know, pay attention to other people's interests and like the things that they like. That's part of it. But fundamentally, how is because of Jesus that Jesus makes it possible. He gives us some specifics here. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. We live out our unity by doing those things, by recognizing that we are all, Paul said previously in Ephesians, we were all captive to sin, to Satan. Jesus has rescued us all. And so if we all need to be rescued, if we all are wrong here or wrong there, if we all know that we could be wrong even in what we think right now, that's humility. And it allows us to live together in unity and recognize our differences and say, hey, yeah, I think differently about that. Maybe I'm right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I've experienced things differently. Maybe we have different perspectives. It doesn't mean that there's no truth. It doesn't mean that we don't seek truth. It doesn't mean that there's no right answers. But we strive for them in humility listening to one another with patience and gentleness. We recognize that unity. So we live out our unity in the body of Christ, recognizing our differences, but not letting them divide us one from another. The second thing is to listen to the leaders. That's what he says in verse 11 to 14. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Shepherds is where we get our word for pastor. Now, it's a little bit, I have to acknowledge here, it's a little bit weird for me as the pastor of this congregation to stand up and say, listen to your leaders, listen to the pastors. But, but Paul did that. Um, so, so I have to say what Paul said. Here's the thing to realize. This, when Paul said, listen to the apostles, you know, he gave the apostles, the prophets, and so forth, he wasn't saying, listen to me, Paul, I'm so cool. And I'm not saying, listen to me, Jimmy, I'm so cool. What I'm saying is that God has appointed leaders in his church. And it is not so much about who we are as leaders in the church. It's about God setting up a structure within the church. So I'm not really saying that you should listen to me, Jimmy. I'm saying you should listen to the pastor of your church. Because God has given you pastors to teach. God has, given, has set our church, our particular church community, in fellowship with other churches to whom we listen. So that if I, Jimmy, say things that are wrong, there's a whole bunch of other people around who will say, that's not right. And that you too can look at them and say, Jimmy, I don't, think you're, I don't think you're acting like a proper pastor here. I don't think you're teaching the word accurately. Because it's not about me, 
It's about the structure that God has set up. And we see this here. It's fascinating. Paul has said, he's been using you earlier in the passage. You were called, you this, you that. And then he says he gave the apostles. And in verse 13, he switches to we. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And uh, so that we may no longer be children. So even though Paul calls himself an apostle, sets himself with authority, he acknowledges that he is also himself as Paul, just part of the body. He is also prone to be tossed about. He needs God to be the, to, for himself too. He's not setting himself apart as anything special. I'm not setting myself apart as anything special. But I am saying that God's word calls us to listen and listen to the leaders that God has put over us. That each of us is under some kind of authority. And this is very challenging for us in our, our modern, particularly American, but really all Western and most modern societies in general. We have a, a strong sense of individualism that I choose for myself what I want. I choose who I'm going to listen to. And, and the Bible says that that needs to be tempered. That God, that God has put us in a particular place and he says we are all under authority. And we don't really get to choose that for ourselves. And there's, there, there's complications and there's ways this works out and there's, there's appealing to different places and all kinds of things. But the fundamental thing for us to reflect on for ourselves is how much am I listening to the leaders God has put over me? Am I willing when they say something that is different from what I would think, am I willing to submit Am I willing to trust? When I, as a, as a personal example uh, for me, for my life, when I, was, um, when I was first out of college and Suzanne and I were attending uh, the first church of, our, of this denomination, of the PCA that I was part of, there's a particular uh, part of our, the theology of the PCA that we didn't agree with. It was about baptizing infants. We did not think that we should baptize infants. We thought you needed to be older to be baptized. And this is a long-standing uh, disagreement among Christians, and one I'd be happy to talk more about the details of, if anybody who's interested. Uh, but in the moment, the, the, the point here is that in that time, we were part of a church where we respected the leaders. We knew that they were seeking to study the Bible. They were seeking to apply it faithfully. And we, we, we trusted their teaching. And we had to come to grips and say, why, are, why not this area? We must listen to them in this area. It doesn't mean that we threw out everything we thought or that we didn't consider it carefully, but we said at least we should listen. And in listening, in reflecting, in conversation, in discussion, we came to change our minds. And we said, you know what? We think we have been, we, we should, we have been misunderstanding this in the Bible and we should understand it differently. doesn't mean that every conversation is going that way, but it is true that the, the takeaway for all of us is that we are all under authority and we need to consider where we're pushing up against that, where we need to listen to the leaders that God has put in place. Third and finally, Paul calls us to love. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is where it comes together. We talked about unity earlier. Unity can be forced. Unity can be imposed from on high. You can just kind of buckle down and say, all right, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to do this. But love flows out of a genuine heart. 
that our Christian community would not be just an enforced unity or a set of rules, but would be characterized by real and deep love for one another. Speaking the truth in love. There it is. It's like in John when he said that Jesus came from the Father full of truth and grace. Here we have speaking the truth in love. There is truth. There is truth in God's word. There is truth in God's world. But we express it to one another in love. What is the outcome of this body that grows? It builds itself up in love. What are we characterized by as a Christian community? We are characterized by love. Genuine affection for one another. And you might look around and say, well, I can try, but I'm not feeling that, right? I'm not, I'm not really feeling the love here today. Uh, fortunately, I, I actually genuinely like all of you. I'm not, I'm not forcing it. Um, some of you maybe, I don't know how you feel about me um, or about one another, but, but God can do that. What should you do if you're in a place where you know, you know you're supposed to love these people? but you just don't feel it. What can you do? You can pray for it, right? Who can change our heart to actually love, to not just tolerate, but to actually love the people around us with genuine love that respects their opinions, that respects our differences, that wants them to find truth, that wants us to find truth, that wants the best for each person, whatever that may actually look like? Only God can do that. Only God can take a body. Just, just sit in this picture of verse 16 and verse 15 and 16. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. From whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. That's what he said he gave leaders for, for equipping all the parts of the body to do their work. So we have a body here that is made up of different people. Some are hands, some are eyes, some are noses, some are feet, each doing their job growing, growing up into the head who is Jesus as he has taken us up into heaven, into the very life of God himself. And we grow together. Can a body cast aside part of it? No. We can't just cast aside a body part. We can't just choose out of the body in which God has placed us. When body limbs get cut off, it hurts. But God has called us to be a living and growing body, working together. And what can a properly functioning body do? All kinds of things. How much more if it is the body of Christ? Demonstrating love for one another despite our differences. How much love can we pour out to the world? How much truth and solid teaching can we pour out to the world? How much grace and mercy can we show to those around us? How many people can we invite to be part of a body, to experience connection and love and forgiveness and freedom? A body working together can do amazing things because God came down to get us in the person of Jesus, to bring us back into the life of God three in one, that we may live out that glory forever in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give this word to us, that you speak to us through it. We pray now that as we have reflected on your glory together, that you would show each of us what it means to be part of this body, to live it out in tangible day-to-day -day ways, in love for one another, in love for the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.